Let's get back to more Mark Cody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. What's happening? It is Mark Grody here with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. I get to be with you for one more hour. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, jump on in. 312-644-6767. You will talk to our executive producer tonight, Leo Stoddarher, and he will put you right on the air with me here. 312-644-6767. Hey, you might even have a question for my next guest. He is Chris Emma. He covers the Bears for 670thescore.com. He also covers the Bears for the Marquee Sports Network and can often be seen covering baseball and basketball. Really, Chris Emma does it all. Emma, how do you do it all, my friend? Grody, what's good, buddy? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a good question. Uh, you know, I love what they do. I guess that's a simple way to do it. <laughs> yeah, you best. You best. We all best love what we do. Hey, we were doing optimistic bears earlier, Emma, and the just in the question that I asked, and that is, instead of incrementally better for the bears this year, which everybody could probably safely say they are going to be, how can the bears be good in 2023-24? I think the key for that is that we're going to talk so much about Justin Fields in this offense, and obviously we know what to expect there or know what's really demanded for this team to take that leap. But I'm looking at the other side of the ball, Mark, in terms of what they can do to be that next, you know, that contending team, that team that kind of surprises people and jumps up in the mix of a wide-open division. And this is a defense that struggled to take the ball away consistently, that struggled to generate any pressure on the quarterback and really uh, make those game-changing plays that were needed in some of those close games. I mean, this team lost seven games last season by one score, and a lot of that in large part is because of the fact that they couldn't get to the quarterback. They couldn't uh, create those opportunities the right way. If this team's to have that breakthrough season and go from three wins to make that gigantic jump to being a true contender, uh, it starts with the defense becoming the type of uh, game-changing force that Matt Eberflus envisioned. And it's creating sacks, it's creating fumbles, it's creating pressure and creating opportunities in the secondary as well for those interceptions. So that's what I'm looking to. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. And I'll even be a little bit specific because we were talking about this earlier. And I'll preface it by saying part of it is because you look at Jaquan Brisker and you say solid first year. He it seems, seems like the type of guy who could develop into something along with Eddie Jackson. We know what Eddie Jackson does. Jalen Johnson and uh, you know Kyler Gordon and hopefully Tyreek Stevenson looks like a pretty good secondary overall. The linebackers are going to be good this year. TJ Edwards, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, Jack Sanborn. And that brings me, Mr. Emma, to the defensive line, which was a terror last year in the bad way for, for the Bears. <laughs> if if Jervon Dexter and Zach Pickens are good and legit players on that defensive line, could the Bears defense, just, just by those two guys, could the Bears defense be really good? I think that's a lot to put on two rookies. You know, they're day two picks. You want them to be really good. You'd love to see it right away, but uh, I preface it by saying there's going to be an acclimation period for both of these guys stepping in because, uh, you know, these weren't guys who were handed the dirt 3-2-1 go get after the quarterback in the college level. We've heard about them talking about 
uh, you know, that he jumped to this level and a different role in this defense where, yeah, the Bears are hoping they can get after the quarterback and create pressure, but uh, it's a tough adjustment, <laughs> you know, getting used to taking on uh, these double teams, getting used to NFL offensive linemen and the challenges presented uh, physically and kind of the mental part of the game as well. Uh, but the Bears are also counting at the same point on uh, this whole defensive unit, this whole defensive line really kind of creating that pressure through the middle. I mean, this is an edge rush that's not really drastically improved. You know, I mean, Demarcus Walker is a good addition, but he's certainly not a flashy game-wrecking addition. And, well, you know, if they go out and get a veteran, they go out and get a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, then you start to feel better about this entire defensive front. But uh, I'd like to sit here and say, yeah, we'd love to see these two rookies be those impact guys. I just think that's asking a lot right now. Yeah, I mean... It is. It is for sure. And even, you know, Travis Smith, the defensive line coach said, you know, we're, we're trying to get them used to a, a different system, a, a new way of actually doing things and scheming. So there, there's some there's some forgetting that they need to do as well as some some learning as well. You mentioned Justin Fields, and of course we have to talk about Justin Fields. And I thought it was interesting that some of the stuff that, you know, Andrew Janoko was saying, the quarterback's coach, that and specifically – uh, from Janoko saying that that Justin Fields is wanting to or you know essentially needing to make himself more fluid, smoother, um, let the feet lead him. He mentioned timing and rhythm, and it says two things to me, Chris, that they want to see him comfortable, that he's never been completely comfortable. Uh, obviously that moments he probably is. And then the timing and rhythm part, Get rid of the football. <laughs> Find yeah. your guy. Get rid of the football. Did you? Are you reading it that way too? Yeah, without a doubt. You know, it's going to make such a huge difference for Justin Fields here in year three. To a, the fact that he's got the same scheme and, and continuity around with his coaching staff. Like, there's no drastic adjustment. He's able to kind of build off what he had last season rather than starting a new like he had to do last year. But the most important thing, uh, these big-time receivers and you guys like a Chase, uh, DJ Moore, well, you hope you get out of Chase Claypool, the return of a healthy Darnell Mooney. It, it's a much-improved wide receiver group compared to where it was a year ago. It looks like it's a fairly well-improved offensive line. Now what's about Justin Fields. As you said, playing within the timing and the rhythm of this offense and trusting that you know, a guy like DJ Moore is going to get open, that he's able to break away from that corner, break away in coverage to make that play. Uh, I think Justin Fields just didn't have the timing and rhythm at all last season uh, as it related to kind of finding these guys open outfield because a, that the pocket was breaking down and B he didn't really trust these guys to get open. And it changes so much. Now the fact that he's got comfort in the scheme, comfort with the guys around him. And I think he's able to really believe that, you know, you can stand in the pocket a little bit longer than you could last year. You don't have to make that move to run right away and tuck it away. You can wait and understand Oh, DJ's got another second. He can get we break away from that corner a little bit more, and then you can hit him with a deep ball. Like that changes so much for a quarterback, just having this continuity, continuity, and also some of the improvements around him. Yeah, and there is you know, a little bit of continuity on the offensive line, but and I feel like weird saying this and hesitant to say this, but I, I am not. I don't have a whole lot of concern about the offensive line right now. There are things that need to, Darnell Wright needs to develop. There's no doubt about it. We haven't seen Nate Davis play offensive line for the Bears. Cody Whitehair is is the center. But, you know, having Braxton Jones in his second year, I've been a little bit weary of that. But 
for the most part, it should I feel comfortable with that offensive line, Chris? I think so. Yeah, I, you know, getting Darno right was clearly the missing piece. I mean, they needed to get that anchored right tackle, the guy to really enhance the protection for Justin Fields. Not to mention what he does for the running game as well. Uh, but look, this protection broke down so many times off that right tackle position. It's no disrespect to the guys who stepped in there, but the Bears clearly needed a huge upgrade at that spot. Uh, you went through the course of this offseason looking, starting in free agency with different options available, and uh, you know they made some offers. They made tried to make some moves at that position, and it just wasn't there. When you're able to get a guy like Darnell Wright, who's the top guy on your draft board and happens to fit such an important void that you needed to fill, that's huge. It really goes a long way for this group. Uh, not to mention, so you go from there, but to the other side, and Braxton Jones, I want to see how he does this season with you know, adding some size and getting past kind of the, the rookie struggles. And, I, I, you know, we saw some good and bad from him last season. I think you're going to see a very improved left tackle there. And ideally, if it's all works out the way you want to with Jones' development and right at that right tackle spot, uh, you got your tackle set for a number of years. Yeah, and we'll, hopefully there won't be any curveballs thrown at us when uh, minicamp begins tomorrow. Uh, it'll be going down in Lake Forest on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Chris, Emma, and I will both be out there covering things. I don't know. I don't know what's the most important thing going into this other than I hope that the the Chase Claypool thing, it's just not that big a deal, soft tissue. Hopefully he's back out there. And I don't know if there's any other headliners heading into minicamp of things that we haven't necessarily seen in the OTAs, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you get guys back, obviously, and the Bears did get back to that full attendance from uh, the guys that were missing during parts of the offseason program. It's nice to get the whole squad out there. Uh, obviously, the OTAs portion is voluntary. This is not. This is mandatory. Uh, I don't expect any guys to be sitting out making any kind of contract statements or something like that. So, yeah, you get the full team out there for three more days, and then you look toward training camp in six weeks from now. But for me, it's been all about Justin Fields. It has to be this time of year when – you're talking about the development and all the new pieces around him. Uh, to your point about Chase Claypool, I want to see Fields and Claypool together. I want to see them continue to build that chemistry. Uh, we heard a couple weeks ago Justin Fields said that Claypool looks tremendously improved, and he's got the right attitude, and he's made the kind of strides this offseason. Then came the hiccup with this injury now, and it's obviously a minor thing. He's been out there with the team, just not practicing. Get him out there on the field now once he's healthy, and obviously you don't want to push it this time of year, but develop that chemistry, make Chase Claypool that key part of the offense that he should be because this guy has been very good in his past. We've seen him play at a high level in Pittsburgh. Uh, what an addition that would be, having that guy at full go alongside DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney. I mean, it's it's a very good wide receiver group if you're able to get those three guys at their best. Yeah, and we're expecting that Darnell Mooney probably be more for training camp. Unless you heard anything differently, Chris, I'm, th- I'm thinking Mooney probably will not be participating in the mini camp, right? No, I, I don't think they're expecting that, but they do say he's going to be full go for training camp. That's obviously still six weeks away. Like you said, you, you don't want to push it this time of year. And I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say Chase Claypool should be out there, but right, uh, right. if he's healthy, if he's cleared, you, you certainly would love to see it. Well, yeah, and like you said, man, it's been really cool – to, to watch the chemistry between Justin Fields and DJ Moore, and there has to be chemistry. So it's sort of a forced relate. Like, you will throw the ball to this man, but it, it has been... It's been like every day in practice we've seen, right? It feels like every time we've been out there for these OTAs, there's one uh, Fields that Moore playing. You're like, oh, man, that, that's what it's supposed yeah. to look like. 
Yes, yes. And that was the in the third and final OT. I think there was a 25-yard pass right up the middle. They were all standing there in the end zone. And like, okay, all right, we're going to write that one down. Um, so it's, it's fun to see that bud, and I hope it does uh, do the same thing with Chase Claypool. The, the running backs room is interesting this year because David Montgomery is gone and the presumed starter is Khalil Herbert. And I understand that everybody's going to get their runs, but do you think that by the end of this season, Khalil Herbert will have had the most carries? I'm assuming everybody is healthy in that running backs room. I think so. And I think you will see Roshan Johnson emerge throughout the course of his rookie season. But I think they really believe in Khalil Herbert and his fit with this offense. And uh, this is a guy who, to the credit of the past regime, I mean, Ryan Pace and his staff found a really good player late in the draft in 2021. And this guy's really taken advantage of every opportunity. When he's gone, he's rushed for five yards of carry uh, over the course of 30 games in his career. Uh, you know, he's been a the guy they've really been able to rely on when David Montgomery did go down. Uh, Herbert looked like that top back. He looks like a guy you can really uh, count on for 20-plus carries a game this season. And, uh, look, they, they they made an offer to Dave Montgomery. They wanted him back. Dave Montgomery chose to move on to Detroit. Bears were okay with that. Like, they, they liked the guy. They valued him, certainly. But they didn't see that as a dramatic drop-off because of what they had in Khalil Herbert. And, uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be that lead back. And I think he's going to really take advantage of this opportunity. This is a guy who's really asserted himself well throughout the course of his young career. And uh, it's a huge chance now. He's going to be that guy. You know, he's talked about his relationship with Dave Montgomery in the past and saying he's happy his guy got paid. But now it's Khalil's turn. Uh, let's, see what he, let's see what he can do here. Yeah, no doubt. Um, one guy that, that is on my mind wide receiver-wise is the, the rookie from Cincinnati, Tyler Scott fourth rounder and he he was going he was definitely going deep on Justin Fields' watch a couple times unfortunately Fields did overthrow him at one point in time and we all like the the new wide receiver but in just being completely logical about it do you think there's room to try to develop Tyler Scott while we've been talking so much about those three guys and, and, you know, not even mentioning Cole Komet and Robert Tunyon. How realistic is it to throw a rookie wide receiver into this mix with Justin Fields, still a developing quarterback? Yeah. To start, I'll say there's obviously room. There's plenty of room for this, uh, for a guy like Tyler Scott, but uh, he's got to really go out and earn it. He's got to first show comfort with his routes and with the system. And then you go on from there, you build that chemistry with Justin Fields because uh, we know how talented this guy is. We know that the blazing speed and how he can take the top off of defense. There's plenty of potential there, but even Tyler Scott himself has said uh, that he's a little raw. He, he's got to continue to improve and build this level. And ultimately, he's going to de- determine what his role is within this offense, even with uh, the guys we've talked about with Moore, Claypool, and Mooney. Uh, Tyler Scott's going to have an opportunity here. Uh, you know, he's going to be on the roster. It's not a question of whether he's going to be stashed on the practice squad. He'll be a part of this wide receiver group, but you know, is he going to be that guy who's making key plays or is he somebody who's slowly developing and kind of playing a role in special teams? Uh, talked about those other three wide receivers. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown's guy has been a key special teams player and somebody, uh, not to mention what he's brought with it with the run blocking. He'll be there. Dante Pettis has a contract. Mm-hmm. He'll be there. Um, you can kind of fill out this wide receiver group if you're taking six on. And uh, Scott's certainly got some competition to earn this role, but I think he's got all the tools to really be successful. You know what's amazing is uh, neither you nor I 
mentioned the name. I don't think you mentioned Valus Jones going through all of that right there. I mean, doesn't that yeah. kind of say it all? Like he he was the guy last year, man. Who is this wide this third round receiver from Tennessee, the first offensive player they drafted last year, and sometimes it felt like a bust. I wish I could say, yeah, he's going to be on this roster, but he's firmly on the bubble as we look toward training camp. And Bayless Jones has an uphill battle, frankly, because he struggled both within the offense and with special teams. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't plant himself in the right position. And you look at a guy like Tyler Scott, you say that's the guy who makes Bayless Jones expendable. And yeah. um, it's going to really kind of come down to what we talked about before, but you know, the bottom of that wide receiver group, which is ultimately kind of a special thing spot. It's going to be Valus Jones probably against Dante Pettis for uh, that last wide receiver spot on the roster. And uh, even though Valus Jones is a third round pick a year ago, and somebody that clearly they had a lot of faith in bringing in. He's not really exactly put himself in a place to land on this roster. So if he does make it on the active roster, you you hope it's because he goes out there uh, first with this three-day veteran minicamp and then into training camp, and he proves himself as an NFL wide receiver and an NFL special teams player and goes out and earns it. A couple more minutes with Chris Emma, 670thesewer.com, talking about the Bears. And since we were talking about all things Bears, I must ask you about um, the recent talkings about the the stadium and where the Bears might end up in the joint statement between Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, um, and the Chicago Bears as well, and Naperville, everything. What's on your mind most when it comes to all of this stadium stuff? Or are you staying out of it? No, I, I've been kind of uh, digging into it a little bit. It, it's fascinating, right? I mean, it, it's, it's determining what's the next course for this franchise, and uh, I still think it's going to be Arlington Heights. I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot of noise out there. It's playing politics, and that's kind of what Kevin Warren was brought in to do with as it relates with the stadium. Like he's been through this before up in Minneapolis and getting that beautiful U.S. Bank Stadium uh, built, and now it's his role with the Bears to see through uh, what's here. Um, I, I think it's going to get resolved, but I also think you're kind of on the clock a little bit here. The Bears, uh, they did close on that land in Arlington Heights, $197 million, and uh, ultimately they got to decide the, the tax property value. they got to work with uh, the local politicians to find different options here as they uh, try to get what they've described as tax certainty. They want to figure out what they're going to be paying here long term. Uh, and that's the key sticking point right now. I think it's going to get done. I don't see the Bears moving out to Naperville. I don't see them sticking around in Chicago either. Um, it's going to be really interesting to follow here, though, because obviously it's a complicated and kind of messy situation when you know it's an NFL franchise fighting with three different school districts trying to figure out how to get this thing done. But this is the way the game is played, and I think it's going to ultimately be okay. I do think the Bears... At some point here in the next couple months, or maybe toward the end of the year, we'll be breaking down ground in Arlington Heights. Yeah, I think there's no way Arlington Heights wants to to lose the Bears or lose out on this opportunity. They could talk tough now, keep the taxes high now, but don't you think that eventually that the Bears have the most power in this situation? I mean, with Arlington Heights, right? Yeah, and it's not, of course, it's not just the stadium. It's the massive 
uh, economic development. It's the you know, massive property all around. It's 326 acres worth, a blank slate where you can build this beautiful entertainment district and so much that goes beyond just those eight to nine regular season games a year plus playoffs. If you get to that point, uh, look, this is a year-round development. Uh, the Bears believe in what they're putting through for all these heights. And uh, it, it's a complicated situation. Obviously, you know, they've said they're going to be privately funding the stadium. They're looking for tax revenue, different issues as they build the entertainment district and everything around this. It'll get done. It's just it's kind of messy right now. Yeah, that is absolutely the truth, and I think that you're right, too, that all of a sudden, I mean, we're going to go through all of this, and then, then a decision will be made, and then uh, then it'll be on to when it'll actually happen. But we'll, we will go there when uh, we get there down the road here just a little bit. Before you go, Emma, you know i got to ask you a little little bit about baseball and what's going on with our baseball teams and the Cubs are 28 and 37. They're six and a half games out of first place. And we were talking about this with uh, Brett Taylor of Bleacher Nation. That uh, obviously we all knew this. The Cubs wanted to be competitive this year. But do you think that they, they can get competitive enough again to where the Jet Hoyer would say, yeah, I'll buy you guys some players? I mean, it's nice to look at the standings and see you're just six and a half back, but you're nine under 500, right? It's the nature. Of this NL Central, led this, by the way, by the Pittsburgh Pirates who come into town for three games. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. You want to close the gap, take care of business here at Wrigley Field. The Pirates are good. They're an upstart team. But, uh, yeah, this is kind of a little bit of a boomer bust week here for the Cubs. It's disappointing, right? This is a team. This isn't the rebuild anymore. Like, they're past the rebuild. This is the window of contention that's supposed to be open, and clearly it's not open right now. This team is underperformed. Uh, the blame has to start with the president of baseball ops and Jed Hoyer, who's built a roster with a lot of flaws. And uh, he believed this team is ready to come out and be a true contender. And it's not there yet. Um, it's still June. There's still opportunities here. And as I said, that division race is still wide open, but now or never, you got to really make that run here. And it starts with a homestand at Wrigley field, get back in this race and prove that you can hang around in a weak division. Then you, because, they don't have a ton of parts to sell. Like It's not like you're doing some dramatic sell-off here. Jen Hoyer wants to buy. He wants to complement this roster he believes in. And right now, you just got to see it from this group. Sox, similar question. 29 and 38. They are four and a half games out. What about the Sox? Go for it. Yeah, you want to because this is a team that, talking about that window being open, this window is supposed to be wide open already. I think I'm looking at that one a little bit differently because this is a roster that we saw crumble last season. They kind of put the blame on Tony La Russa, you know, even though he sat down for his own reasons, and they thought it was going to be different this year and that you're going to get the best of this group. You kind of look toward the group now, right? I think you have to look – if you're Rick Hahn and you believe you're the guy who's going to be leading this thing forward, you kind of have to think about selling some guys off and at least retooling, not a full rebuild, but retooling this roster a little bit. Yes, they're only four and a half back, though. We know there's plenty of talent on that roster, but is it enough talent to go out and, and win the World Series, which has been their goal, right? Multiple championships, as Rick Hunt said. I don't know if they're good enough right now. I look at that one a little bit differently. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, man, Like on that one, because even when the Sox have gotten to the postseason with this core, they've been dismissed very quickly. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, you wanted to see this team overachieve a little bit. You want to see them get back on track. And, uh, yes, it's a horrible division. The first-place team's the Twins at 33-33. and 33, But 
Uh, even though you're right there and you're creeping up on first place, this is a team that we know a lot more about than we do, say, the Cubs, who are kind of still in the developmental stage of trying to be a contender again. Uh, I think the frustration has to certainly be there for the White Sox at this point. And uh, nine under 500 right now, as you look a month out, I think he's got to look towards selling off some of those parts. All right, Emma, get ready for minicamp. I'm sure you're packing a bag, getting your your suntan lotion and your hat collection ready for the next three days. <laughs> Let's do it. Three more days before school's out. Huh? Let's do it. Better minicamp. Be ready. That is true. Thanks, Chris Emma. I appreciate your time as always. Take care. Yep, that is Chris Emma from 670thescore.com. That is true. After the next three days, that's – that's the real break. That's like until camp starts for all of us. And you know, I'll, you'll still hear me on the score, but just there just won't be any Bears practices. Rest assured, we will talk a lot about the Bears as well. When we come back, there was a New York baseball announcer who got hit by a foul ball. We will discuss that next here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. Texter says that Jamison Tyone was a strange signing. And I liked that. I mean, when they signed him, I thought it was a good signing, quite frankly. And it could still end up being a good signing. And part of it, too, is... And we've seen general managers do this. There are just certain guys that you've all you always like that you've always liked. And Jameson Tyone is a guy that you know, I saw him pitching up close and personal when I was on the Cubs tour doing Cubs pre and post. Saw Jameson Tyone come up, and I thought he was going to be, uh, you know, <laughs> some of it based on where he's drafted, number two overall. I thought that he was going to be a superstar, but. Yeah, I don't think that's happening, but a good pitcher, better than a 7.02 ERA, yeah, it has not been good for Jamison Tyone. So he's been a disappointment. Yeah, he's just one of those guys that I've always liked him, and yeah, I thought thought like I said he was going to be better than he is. You know, he's been good, and even with the Pirates, but <laughs> you never know. You never know what those Pittsburgh Pirates are going to pull off. You just you know, you know the Pittsburgh Pirates. The thing about them, and I'm, I was always shocked about when they, when they gave up on Mark Melanson back in the day when they were still close to the Cubs, and they knew the Cubs were better, so they they knew that they had to start to sell off, and the Pirates are going to pirate anyway, just doing what they do. But yeah, just one of those guys. And hey, did, didn't Rick Hahn? Have or doesn't he have one of those guys on his roster? Andrew Benintendi wasn't he one of those guys? That, yeah, just always liked this guy. Always wanted him on this team. Always wanted him here. He's been pretty good. Just doesn't hit home runs. So um, that's what's going on. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the number if you'd like to text or to call. I heard some tremendous audio earlier. And tremendous is a word, I don't know if we'd use that, because a person was hit by a baseball. A person was hit by a baseball. And that person is Hall of Fame broadcaster John Sterling, the New York Yankees 
broadcaster, radio broadcaster, and <laughs> he's okay. So it's hilarious. Listen to John Sterling get hit by a foul ball today, or yesterday, or whatever this was. Now the 3-2 swung on, a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. <laughs> the ow is everything. I don't believe he was really feeling that much pain. I think he was just alarmed. Like, that was his alarm going off. Ow! Ow! Help! Ow! Ow! Who? What? Ow! It was his monitor going off. Ow! Back here. Ow! 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 Need help! Ow! 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 Somebody! Oh, that... That's what I felt like he was doing. Like, yo, I mean, I guess if you're a baseball broadcaster and you get hit, like, and by the way, the ball bounced off the table and hit him in the side of the face. Like, what is going to be your reaction? I mean, like for John Sterling, and I imagine it's different for everybody. For John Sterling, his owl alarm went off. One more time and listen to the ball hit the, the table and then hit his face. Back here. Ow! 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 He's calling for help. Now, 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 that I, now that I really listen to John Sterling, it's a cry for help that's going on. You know, he's alarmed. Somebody comfort this man. Ow! He has been hurt. Not really. Just, just alarmed. So, John Sterling took it. He is... He is okay. He is, isn't he? I think I heard today. I probably should have looked this up. I think he's in his 80s. I want to say John Sterling, 84, 85, something like that. So I'll allow for his reflexes to to not be 100% and not knowing exactly how to react. (laughs) When a baseball comes up at you and you are the primary broadcaster for this Yankees team. Yeah, I'm sure that I probably could start an argument by saying that in New York anyway. 312-644-6767 is the number. From the 312, Claypool's soft tissue issue is above the shoulders. Well, I mean, that is something that he's been tagged with, with the, you know, head case thing. I haven't seen it yet in my talkings too with, uh, my talkings to with my discussions with Chase Claypool. I've not seen that at all. I've seen a guy who's pretty forthright. And remember, uh, if you're somebody who didn't like the, the episode that he had on, on the sideline with the bears and he was shouting and screaming, I, I'm the guy who loved that, who was like, okay, somebody's got to say something about a team. I don't remember where they were in the losing streak. Let's just say it was seven straight that somebody has to say, this is not okay. <laughs> Somebody at some point in time has to do something to indicate to someone that this ain't right. No matter what they're trying to do, no matter what's happening with the Bears, this team is not this is obnoxious. And you know, somebody has to somebody has to do something. And that's the way I looked at that incident with Chase Claypool. Plus, it gave Justin Fields a chance to show his leadership. Like, it ended up being a positive, 
I feel like, just because the storyline became, oh yeah, Justin Fields really showed his leadership. You know, after we all you know, bounced it back and forth, well, whether you agreed with Chase Claypool doing that or not, um, it was, you know, it all ended up being a good situation because, again, Justin Fields is a leader. And that became very clear once again. It was a chance for him to do it. And now we've got this situation this year where the first OTA, now they're talking about how different Chase Claypool is and, you know, demeanor and everything, everything. Knowledge was the big thing. Knowledge of the system, comfort, chemistry, the 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 whole thing. Like he's in, and you know, I'm sure he was in before, but it sounds like Chase Claypool is really in. And I know it doesn't mean anything, but that's what happened. And uh, Chase Claypool then missed a couple OTAs with with soft tissue issues. So we will see if he is in there tomorrow for the mini camp. We need to take one final break here. We will take your calls and text next at 312-644-6767 on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Let's get back to more Mark Crody on Sports Radio 670, The Score. I have been working at a bit of a disadvantage in my life over the last three days because I had to turn my phone over. Oh man, I went to get my phone. For my my Apple Pay wasn't working. You know, like I've been having to actually pull out the credit cards as opposed to just scanning things with my phone. Like, and it was not that big a deal because I was like, whatever, I'll just use the cards. Finally, I decided oh, I'll go get take care of this. It'll tighten up the old phone and everything will be okay. But whatever the issue was with my phone. They had to send my phone off. They had to send it to, like, package my phone and send it to another state to be fixed by other engineers or whatever Apple stuff, (laughs) whatever Apple stuff is going on. So it was just a very weird moment. I felt like I was handing something very precious away. I was my phone. I mean, imagine. Put yourself in that spot. You're standing there, and you've got your everything is on the phone. Hand it over. Hand it over. There's only one way we could fix this, and this trillion-dollar company is by sending it off to other people. Oh, man. I did get a loaner. Yes, I did. With all with the information transferred and all of that, but there are things like passwords were gone, things didn't come back exactly the same. Everything's just a little off. Everything's just a little bit off on my iPhone right now. So so just bear with me. <laughs> just bear with me. But I think I got the notice today that my phone is ready. But I'm not going to have time to go to the Apple Store when I have minicamp over the next three days. I mean, you got to make sure you've got two hours, you know? So, yeah. But that's... That's it. Just a very weird feeling, it, especially when I did the exchange. Well, here's my phone. And I walked out of there and I was like, what have I done? What have you done? What have I done? Um, on the serious side of things, I've been talking a lot of bears tonight, which I love to do. And I'm staring down that 2020 draft class for the bears right now. 
and the players that are of consequence because they graduate after this year, as in contracts are coming up. And the 2020 draft, here in case you need a refresher on the Chicago Bears 2020 draft, they did not have a first-round pick in 2020. They had a second-round pick, two second-round picks. One was Cole Komet, tight end Notre Dame. The other was Jalen Johnson, starting cornerback for the Chicago Bears. The other guys, fifth-rounder Travis Gibson, fifth-rounder Kendall Vildor, fifth-rounder Darnell Mooney is a fifth-rounder. Seventh-round picks, my guys, Lachavius Pig-Simmons and Arlington Hambright as well. So... It's um yeah you know, it's obviously last call. I mean you look at that class and it's obviously last call for Travis Gibson and last year was not a good year for him you know and we'll work our way to the big names Kendall Vildor you know maybe maybe he's like a one or two year keeps coming back to the Bears type of guy who knows like he he is he's not a bad player you know and he, his season started well last year. And then kind of went down the hill like most of the players on the Paris defense last year. But Kilovil Door's a, a guy that I wouldn't mind having around on the roster, but not in the starting capacity. Um, Darnell Mooney, though, who, again, we have not seen back on the field so far in this offseason. I am not expecting him to be practicing in minicamp. I am a pra- expecting him to be there for training camp. In what exact capacity will he be 100% full go? I do not know that, but that seems to be the projection from the Bears for for Darnell Mooney to be out there. So that's first and foremost with him, but it is football and Obviously, the Bears have room, salary cap room, that, but you can't bring everybody back. You got Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, and Cole Komet, guys that you have to consider extending based on their play with the Bears so far and what they might mean to a winning Bears team in the future. I kind of thought, based on what Ryan Poles was saying in the in our exit interview with Ryan Pauls at the end of last season that I think somebody asked, like, who do you consider, you know, blue chip players on this roster now? And the guy that he might've been the only guy. Well, I don't want to say that, but it Cole Komet certainly was the one that he prominently praised and spoke of seeming to. And what, what I got from that was that, Cole Komet, not only good, productive player who they think still has, you know, a ceiling, but also a guy that has bought into the system and does does the things that they need to do in this offense and probably is going to, I imagine Cole Komet's voice is going to start to be heard even more too, just because he does, does do the right things and understands what they're trying to do um, and obviously has bought into the hits principle. You notice how, isn't it nice that Hits Principles mentions are down? There was a hard rainfall of the Hits Principle coming down. And I, I'm raising my hand. I was complicit. We all loved learning and talking about the Hits Principle. But I think Hits Principle mentions are down, I want to say 40% 
right now at this time as opposed to last year. That's kind of a nice thing. But Cole Komet is a buy-in guy. Um, Jalen Johnson famously early on was took a little while to get his whole body into the water. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't quite sure dipping his toe into this hits principle and then ended up loving it. But I think that on that, I mean, it really comes down to which player do you think is more valuable, Jalen Johnson or Darnell Mooney with, with those two guys? And, oh, man, uh, it's like I don't think that either Jalen Johnson or Darnell Mooney are complete. You know, I, I we, we all think we have a good idea of of what they are, but especially Jalen Johnson's case, like he's he's been a really good coverage guy. But he has not had the turnovers. And, and is it because they're not coming to him as much? The receivers are going away from him? Or is it he just doesn't have a nose for it? I don't know yet. But I do think that that can still go up. And I still, you know, he's still imperfect. I mean, he's still not in that category of elite corners yet. So, you know, there, there is still ceiling for him as well. And I think for Darnell Mooney, too. I mean, I can't wait. Of all the things that we're talking about with DJ Moore... I can't wait to to when Darnell Mooney comes back to see what those two guys look like together. And I know we all want you know Chase Claypool and and as we're talking about the rookie Tyler Scott, who Emma definitely thinks will be dressing on Sundays as well. But to me, that combo man, that that speed and elusiveness and you know, and I think Mooney's gonna learn too. Like DJ Moore, that's a man that just knows how to get open. And he's got, he has got a blast off after he catches it too. He's looking to to break contact <laughs> immediately and go farther. I've enjoyed the last few hours here on the score. Thank yous to go out to James Fox of Future Socks and Socks Machine. Thanks to Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation, talking Cubs, also a podcaster for Athletic uh, or Athletic Chicago. Yes. And my guy, Chris Emma, from 670thescore.com, talking bears and a little baseball with him. Great job of producing the show from Leo Stodderher. I'm Mark Grody, and I am sure I will talk to you tomorrow from Hallis Hall right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Back here. Ow! 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 Ow!